0: listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 16, and today we're talking about books released on August 25th, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow wool redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. You know, sometimes I read that, and I, I'm concerned that, like, if it didn't actually say who I was, I wouldn't remember.
1: <laughs> I I'm... Have- Oh, I have misread the intros on the main Book Riot podcast as Jeff a couple of times. Like, it's written to say, like, I'm Jeff O'Neill and I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. And at least once I've said, I'm Jeff O'Neill. Yeah. I'm like, nope. I didn't fact, study. I'm not.
0: I don't know the answer to this. Especially this week, you and I were just discussing before we started recording how our brains are not functioning at full capacity today. I know. I went
1: to a concert last night and it was wonderful, but I don't think that I have been that sweaty since like Warp Tour 1997 and I cannot recover from that as quickly as I used to. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit all over the place this morning, but I have notes and I trust you to, you know, pull me off. The stage with a big hook. If I become problematic,
0: awesome. I feel the same way. I know that you'll jump in and be like, "Down, <laughs>
1: just down, down girl, <laughs> down." <laughs>
0: yeah, but um speaking of that, I'm just going to launch into the first book that uh, I'm going to talk about because uh, I actually jumped up and down on my chair.
1: <laughs> Did you really like Tom oh, Cruise my on Oprah
0: style? I could not handle this book. It's so awesome, and well, let me start by telling you what it's called. that's always helpful yeah just guess it's pat the bunny no just kidding um it's called you too can have a body like mine by alexander kleeman and i love this book so much i cannot handle it i i had to stop being like i just kept getting on my chair and being like ah because i was just freaking out about how good it is i thought i'm picturing
1: you like Gollum crouching on a rock right now just clutching that's exactly what
0: it's like i'm completely like oh my precious I love it. Um, I thought my boyfriend was going to have to break the glass and use the drag dart gun because I was just like, ha, 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 ha. it's so good, I want to punch myself in the face out of joy.
1: Okay, so like. tell me what it's about. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, it's about a woman named A, letter A, who lives in an unnamed American city, and her roommate, get this, is named B, letter B. Um, and they hang out and. Live in their apartment, eat a lot of popsicles. They're really into watching television. They watch television for hours and the television programming that she writes about that they watch and the commercials that they watch are a super cutting send up of society and like what we watch. You know like reality shows and ridiculous commercials. her um, roommate B seems to be trying to turn herself into A, which is a little concerning for A. Um, she's cut her hair to look like her and she wants to spend all her time, you know, wants her to make her her meals and Hang out with her all the time. A has a boyfriend. Can you guess what his name is? C. C. You win. Um, he is also a television addict, and he's also a pornography addict. And Omar. he wants A to join him on a reality show called That's My Partner. It's like the new reality show that's sweeping the nation. Um, uh, also spe- sweeping the nation is a new religion. Uh, early on in the book, A witnesses something really weird happen across the street from their apartment, um, that turns out to be a part of this religion. I'm not going to tell you what happens, only that it's like the Heaven's Gate cult meets It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's just, it's mind-bending. Um, there's also a new epidemic in the country called Disappearing Dad Disorder, where middle-aged fathers begin disappearing from their homes. Uh, there's also a horrifying side story involving veal. Um, yeah, I don't want to give any more away, but it's so insane and so, so brilliant. Uh, it's an amazing stand-up of contemporary America. Um, have you ever read White Noise by Don no. DeLillo? It's, no. it's brilliant like that. Um, or Bear v. Shark by uh, Chris Batchelder, which is another one of my favorite novels. Um, and holy cats, her writing is so good. She's one of those writers where, like, you read something she's written, like a description of something, and you're like, how could anyone ever describe anything other than this way? Like, how, like, I've never thought of it this way, but this is exactly how it is, and there's no other way to think about it. And then she's also one of those writers where you jump up and down in your chair because it's so exciting to read something that is so original and wonderful. Um, And again, that is called You Too Can Have a Body Like Mine by Alexandra Kleeman. Read it.
1: Are there any, this is an A-B conversation, so see your way out of it jokes?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but do you know that I, I just read that joke, I think in the star side of Bird Hill. Like, I had never heard that joke before.
1: I'm glad that that joke is living on.
0: Yeah, I think that was the book I read it in. I could be completely wrong.
1: Well, before we get to my first pick, we should do our first sponsor this week. Yes. We've Uh, got Macmillan Audio sponsoring, and they are highlighting Nature of the Beast by Louise Penny, who's continuing her Inspector Gamache series. You've read a bunch of these, right?
0: I have. Um, And listeners will love returning to the village of Three Pines. It's a fabulous place to go uh this in this new audiobook the nature of the beast a nine-year-old boy with a history of crying wolf goes missing Uh, he's told all these crazy tales about aliens and monsters and dinosaurs in the forest and so no one believes anything he says Um, but when he fails to turn up the people in the village have to face up to the fact that possibly one of the things he was talking about was true Um, and this book is narrated by robert bathurst he's taking over for the narrator of the previous books um, Ralph Cosham, who sadly died last year, um, Robert Bathurst has been in like a million things, but you might know him best as Sir Anthony Stralin. Have you ever seen Downton Abbey? No. Oh well, he's on Downton Abbey. This and... is the
1: day that I don't get any of your references.
0: Apparently. <laughs> he he's probably most famous for for Downton Abbey. Um, spoiler: he's the one who abandons Edith at the altar. Uh,
1: so um... he sounds like a jerk.
0: He himself probably isn't just just his character. <laughs> no,
1: I'm sure Robert Bathurst is yeah. lovely.
0: Yeah. Well, sir, it, he really does it for her own. It's for her own good. I promise. It's really it's for Edith's good. Anyway, um, but I love these books. Louise Penny is incredible. Like every single time she writes one of these, she gets it right. I think this is the twelfth book in the series.
1: It's and, they're always number one on the New York Times yeah. bestsellers list. People always have great things to say about them.
0: And pretty much every one of them has won or been nominated for several major mystery awards. Um, she's just fantastic. So. It sounds
1: like fun. You can get information about Nature of the Beast at MacmillanAudio.com slash The Nature of the Beast. And Macmillan is spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. So MacmillanAudio.com slash The Nature of the Beast for more about Louise Penny's Nature of the Beast. Continuing her Inspector Gamache series and narrated by Robert Bathurst. I might give this one a shot. Do you think I can just dive in at book 12? Yeah okay
0: yeah they're they're cozies not super cozy but they're cozy not a lot of sex and violence going on just just super wicked smart um there's my main coming out wicked super wicked (laughs) smart and and great fun you know she's a great writer
1: that sounds awesome I have no clever segue to my first book of the week. Uh, But it's Rising Strong by Brene Brown. I love this book. I have been so excited about it for so long, like since they announced several months ago that it was coming out. And then I anxiously, anxiously waited for the galleys to be available. And then I read the galley in two days. And I've just been talking about it ever since. Uh, So if you don't know Brene Brown, or maybe you know her, and you're not aware that you know her because you've seen her TED Talk. Um, She is a sociologist and a researcher and kind of a life coach type person uh, who has spent several decades studying vulnerability and risk taking. Um, And her previous book, Daring Greatly, is one that like, it is not an exaggeration to say that Daring Greatly changed my life. And that is not a thing that I say lightly or frequently about a book. Um, but Daring Greatly was about vulnerability and taking risks and showing up in situations, showing up in your life and showing your real self to other people and how scary that can be and all of the you know negative experiences that we can have in our lives that teach us that that's a thing that we shouldn't do. Uh, and so she also unpacks shame and guilt and the ways that we think about ourselves but her argument is like you will live your best life when you take this risk uh, in in all your relationships with your friends and your family and your romantic partners and your co-workers when you really acknowledge who you are and uh, and give them the opportunity to step up and to accept you that way and that that's how we grow. Um, it's I'm over, really oversimplifying, but I thought Daring Greatly was a really terrific book and Rising Strong is a sort of follow-up to it. It's not necessary to have read Daring Greatly first, but I highly recommend reading Daring Greatly because it's awesome. Uh, the thinking is that if we're taking enough risks because we're daring greatly, then we're bound to be falling down and failing some of the time because that's what happens. You don't succeed with every risk that you take. So what do we do? when we fall down. And that's where rising strong comes in. Brown draws on decades of research work with clients and her own personal experiences to explore like the stories that we tell ourselves about what's happening about why we failed or about how we're going to recover, and essentially how we can edit those stories. so that the next time around, we tell ourselves, a more effective, healthier story, basically understand your own responses to difficult situations and how to be more resilient. Um, she shares really great personal examples of things that have happened in her life that at least for me help bring this like grounded theory into a realm where I can think about, oh, okay, similar things that happened. Like I had a disagreement with my husband and I was over there in my head thinking like we had this disagreement and it's because of blah, 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 when actually there's a different explanation for it and telling myself the more correct story would have helped. Um, I'm not big into self-help most of the time. It gets a little like woo-woo for me. So I really like Brene Brown, because she's very practical. Um, and there is a, a touch of like, there are some acronyms in the book that are intended to help you remember like which steps to, pr- to do at different times. Um, and I don't love that kind of layout of a story, but I can't deny that the steps are really useful and that the acronyms were helpful. So some of it is I'm just like getting over the fact that I'm a person who reads and likes some self-help books. But life is hard and we all need help sometimes. Uh, And as I'm in my 30s, this is a thing that I think about a lot lately. Uh, So if this sounds interesting, relevant, I think it's interesting, relevant and useful for all of us who have to deal with other humans. So all of us uh that's rising strong (laughs) by Brene brown
0: excellent yes i did not read darren grayley because i don't want my life to change (laughs) no i don't know
1: Uh amanda our great uh colleague at book riot read it and it made her mad
0: (laughs) (laughs) what doesn't make her mad
1: well (laughs) she's we love you amanda yeah (laughs) what's next on your list
0: Alright, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm getting ready to be serious because I think that this next book is really important and I hope that I do it justice. Um, that book is called George by Alex Gino. George is a wonderful middle grade novel and it's an important one because it might be the first transgender fiction aimed at intermediate readers, um, at least published by a major publisher, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, George is published by Scholastic and, and I do think it is the first. I think um, you're right. It's about George. When people look at George they see a boy but George knows that she is a girl. She has named herself Melissa and she really wants the rest of the world to call her Melissa too but she feels like she has to keep it a secret. Um, Then her teacher announces that she will be holding auditions for a school production of Charlotte's Web and Melissa really wants to be Charlotte. She thinks she would be perfect for the role of Charlotte but her teacher tells her that she has to audition for one of the boy roles so she's really upset about this. So Melissa's friend Kelly who is awesome, I love Kelly so much, she comes up with a plan help melissa out and i just i loved this book i think alex you know is wonderful alex is genderqueer and uses the singular they as a gender neutral pronoun so they wrote a great blog post the other day to help people like me discuss george and them in a respectful manner which i think is really important it's a really important part of the conversation regarding transgender fiction um and george is a big step in the world of children's books And one that I hope we see more of, because everyone should be represented in fiction. It's that easy. Um, And maybe a little kid out there will read George and feel like it's okay to feel the way they do about their gender. So I hope that great things happen for George.
1: That's really awesome. I'm so excited to read it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really good book. It's a really cute story, and it's great.
1: I'm going to flip our plan for a second here, because one of my picks for later in the show directly relates to George, and I just realized it. So I could have had a, a smooth as butter segue, but I didn't. <laughs> you just told This everyone. is my clunky segue. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, we had decided that for the second half of the show, since summer has been crazy and we're already struggling to read all of the books that we want to read for the fall, that we would do two new releases each this week, and then we would talk about two of the best things that we've been reading over the summer from the backlist. Um, One of those things that I was going to talk about later, but that I'm going to talk about now instead is Redefining Realness by Janet Mock. Uh, If you don't know who Janet Mock is, she is an advocate, a writer. um, She... once was an editor for people magazine's website she's very you know up on pop culture very smart she's also a black trans woman and redefining realness is her memoir of growing up coming out making a life and finding love and the title refers to a person that she knew when she was a, a teenager still figuring out her identity and what it meant that uh, she she was charles growing up and what it meant for charles to realize that she was a girl and wanted to live as a girl and make that transition. And f- first just discovering that that was a thing that people could do. Um, a person that she met when she was younger would would talk about um, other trans people in terms of their realness and realness was the code for assessing trans people's beauty and basically their value in terms of how well they conformed to heteronormative ideals like you had a lot of realness as a trans woman if you if no one could tell that you were trans if you passed and you looked like cis women uh so in this memoir, Mock is telling her story. And she's about I, I think she's in our like our generation. She's about our age, I would say like, I should have googled this late 20s, early 30s, um, grew up in, with the same pop culture references that uh, that we have. And places herself, you know, squarely within what it was like growing up before transgender issues were a thing that we talked about in culture before there were any kinds of stories, certainly before there was a book like George. And she wants to redefine realness and talk about what it is to be a trans person in contemporary American culture and moving beyond assessing trans people in terms of heteronormative ideals that are harmful even to the, you know, cis hetero people that live into them. Um, I'm almost finished reading this. I've been meaning to get to it forever. It's so open and honest and uh just straightforward in a way that I really appreciate. She's talking about difficult experiences that she had as a kid and just presents them as uh, in context of how the culture was at the time and understanding how we are shifting and why these shifts are so important. So while you were talking about George Liberty, I was thinking about like, the memoir that we're going to get from a trans person in another 20 years, Um, someone who's a kid now who's growing up with that identity, and hopefully how different that story can be. Because we're starting to tell more diverse diverse stories and how important that is. So um, that's Redefining Realness by Janet Mock.
0: Maybe it will be someone who read George.
1: Yeah, I hope so.
0: Well, since you did a little explaining, um, my next pick is one of the books that I read this summer that um, was on the backlist that I had heard so, so, so many amazing things about. And it lived up to the hype. It's called The Thrilling Adventures of Lovelace and Babbage, The Mostly True Story of the First Computer, and it's by Sidney Padua. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. I think I have a little Shakespeare going on there, but Sidney <laughs> um, Padua. So um, this is a history book, it's a graphic novel, it's a biography, it's a fantasy novel, it is a million brilliant things. Um, it revolves around two real people from history, Ada Lovelace and Charles Babbage, who are widely credited with having invented the world's first computer. Like, in the mid-1900s. Or not 1900s, 19th century. Um, like, mid-1800s. New computer, right there. A long, Boom. long
1: time ago. A long
0: time ago. On a planet far away. Um, so, Ada Lovelace is such a fascinating person. She was the daughter of uh, the poet Lord Byron. She was his only child for marriage, I believe. I think he's, he had some illegitimate children, but she was his only child for marriage. Um, he was a cad, and a horrible philanderer.
1: Yes he was. His
0: wife realized this very early on in their marriage. So shortly after Ada was born, her mother fled Byron's home to raise their child away from what she thought was Byron's evil ways and his evil influence. And so her mother thought, What is the opposite of poetry and love and philandery? Like what can my daughter study that will teach her the exact opposite of everything her father stands for? And she said, I know math <laughs> So Ada was raised on the strict diet of math and science. Which was rather unusual for a girl at that time. You know, it just it mm-hmm. just didn't happen. So she grows up, super, super genius, and she meets Charles Babbage, who is a mathematician, a mechanical engineer, an inventor, and a philosopher. Um, Babbage has these plans to build an enormous mechanical calculating machine. And Ada's all like... Oh, hey, I'm super awesome at coming up with programming and math and stuff, if you're interested. I'm pretty sure that was verbatim. What I just said there is is what she said to him. Um, Anyway, they become partners, and they write out a plan for what would be the world's first computer. Now, the reality of the story is that they did indeed map out this supercomputer, but it was never actually built. Ada died of cancer at a young age, and Charles Babbage, while brilliant, could never seem to get himself together enough to actually build anything that he invented. He had plans for, like, a million things. Nothing ever came to fruition. But Padua takes this sad story, it's a fascinating story, and she writes it and illustrates it as though they did build their computer and they <sighs> did impress everyone with their invention.
1: So it's, it's like alternate like, history. Yeah,
0: alternate, all these possibilities. Um, and the sheer amount of research that she did before writing this is amazing. Uh,
1: I love it when people
0: like have a particular subject that they're fixated on. And Loveless and Babbage is definitely her nerdy microhistory obsession. I mean, she includes so many references to so many things that she read. She draws these wonderful cartoony illustrations. And then she backs each page up, each illustration up, with enough footnotes to rival Infinite Jest. I mean, just, this is a nerd's fabulous delight. I mean, I I love this book. I borrowed it from the library. And as soon as I finished reading it, I read it again. And then I went out and I bought my own copy. And then I read it again. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I hope that sh- that Padua finds um, or maybe has another subject up her sleeve that she loves as much and will write up and draw again in this way and keep doing it until her hand falls off because I would like to read all my history books in this format from now on. So again, that is called The Thrilling Adventures of Loveless and Babbage by Sydney Padua.
1: I've heard so many people talk about loving this book, but this is the first time I've had any idea what it was about, and I'm just totally sold. So good. Let, let's just alternate history instead of actual history, like yeah. forever. How about that? Yeah. We're going to make some history in November at Book Riot Live. Ooh, look at you. There it is. It's only <laughs> noon. I'm finally awake now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Book Riot took our second sponsorship spot this week, and so we would like to invite you to come hang out with us, with me and Liberty and the Book Riot crew and a whole bunch of authors and publishing folks and 1,500 other book nerds for two days of book nerd party at Book Riot Live. It's November 7th and 8th in New York City we're going to have panels but not the kinds of panels that you've seen at other book events it's not like here's the thrillers and here's the romance and here are people talking about literary fiction but authors whose work we love from a diverse array of genres and categories and you know subject matter specialties mushed up together talking about bigger issues in publishing and the reading life there will be some insidery stuff like there's a panel called farm to table that's about how a book gets made and it has an author an agent an editor a publicist and a book designer uh, but There's also fun, silly stuff like you would expect from Book Riot, like Book Nerd Jeopardy. Uh, We're going to maybe have like a stop, drop and read thing where everyone will stop whatever they're doing for like 15 minutes and recreate the dear time that you had in school as a kid. Uh, We're going to do live recordings of all of our podcasts, including this one. And uh, you and I might just burst into flames, actually getting to sit next to each other and record a show about new books. I'm there. terrified. Oh, it'll be fine. We're gonna hold hands. It's gonna be I'll fine. wear my thunder shirt. <laughs> I will be your thunder shirt. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna hug for thirty minutes while we record. My boyfriend a show. keeps
0: going, you know you have to do this like there's gonna be actually be people there. I'm like, Shh, shh, stop. <laughs>
1: It'll be great. It's going to be great. Uh, There are fancy cocktail parties in the Rare Book Room at The Strand. We're doing a panel about how to buy good books for kids that will be moderated by Kristen Stickles, who is a Book Riot contributor, and the children's and young adult buyer for McNally Jackson, which is a really excellent independent bookstore in Manhattan. So, so many fun things. Oh, and Margaret Atwood is going to be there. Yeah. Also, Alexander Chi, so you can talk to him live and in person about your promise to eat James Patterson if his book doesn't sell a million bajillion copies.
0: It's his birthday today.
1: Oh, happy birthday, Alexander Chi.
0: Yes, it will be, be not... when this airs, but it's his but birthday we're thinking right of now. You. Yes.
1: Uh, Go to BookRiotLive.com. You can see all of the programming and the schedule that have been announced so far, all of the incredible people that will be speaking. Get a sense of what we're going to be doing. And please, come hang out with us. It's going to be great. Use the code MORECATS, all one word, uh, when you check out to save 20 bucks on your registration. And come see us. We want to party with you for two days and do book nerd things.
0: I'm so surprised and delighted by the sheer number of people that are going to be there that listen yes. to us and read us. Me and
1: too. Oh, right. Yeah, maybe so this is... So many people are going to meet. Let this motivate you. We're talking about Book Riot Live on all of the podcasts, and we're tracking which podcasts have the most listeners attending. And so far, Liberty and I are winning. So if you are coming to Book Riot Live, and not, I mean, not that it's a contest, but it is because we're all competitive. So if you are coming to Book Riot Live or you're thinking about it, and you have decided now that the thing you really want to do is attend, because of course it is, Make sure you use our code more cats so that you can basically drop a penny into our jar uh, and we can keep being in the lead.
0: People are like, I want to see what's wrong with those women
1: in person. <laughs> Jeff and I were like, we're not going to compete about this, except we're totally going to compete about this. Yeah, so, you have
0: a horse in both races. I do. Wait, two horses in the same race? I don't know what I just said. <laughs>
1: i'm out of my depth with this analogy so let me move on to my next book uh, out this week, we're back to new releases for me. Is Allie Hughes Has Sex Sometimes by Jules Moulin. This is such a fun novel and it's perfect for the end of summer. I really, really loved it. I read 200 pages of it in one sitting, which is not a thing that I normally do. I know it's a thing that you frequently do. This is unusual for me. Uh, it's about 31 year old Allie Hughes. She is a professor at a fancy university. She has a 10 year old daughter and she's been so busy professoring and raising her 10 year old daughter that she has had sex twice in the last decade. So the title about Has Sex Sometimes is actually like pretty generous. Um, It's the last day of the semester and this hot guy, this hot 21-year-old student who's been sitting in the back of her class for three semesters comes to her office hours to plead for a better grade. They end up chatting. She tells him about stuff that needs to get done around her house and her regular handyman has not been very reliable and is not going to show up. And it's just like so convenient that hot guy is good with his hands and volunteers to do the handyman work because he needs the extra cash. So he goes over to his house and he does the handyman work and then he does her. Uh, They spend this torrid, steamy weekend together and then it's over. Her 10-year-old daughter comes back uh, from staying with her grandparents' house and they, Allie and the, the guy, his name is Jake, don't see each other or talk ever again. Um, then we jump forward 10 years. Ali's 20-year-old daughter, Lizzie, is dating a movie star, or she's like trying to date a movie star named Noah Bean. And they're in town. They're going to come to dinner at Allie's house. It turns out that Noah is Jake. And... Ali just doesn't know this because now she is a 41-year-old professor and she does an internet, so she doesn't know who the movie stars are. He walks into her house, they recognize each other, and then it takes off. Uh, the story moves between and sort of the chapters alternate between 10 years ago when they were having the affair and present day as they're figuring out what's going to happen between them, what's going to happen between uh, Ali's daughter, Lizzie, and Noah and Lizzie is trying to become an actress and wants to get a nose job and gets involved in a shady operation that's running um, cam girls for uh, like softcore internet porn. Uh, so there's a whole little like Contemporary culture side story that's also capery and fun and biting. Um, this was, it's just so, it's sexy. I was not expecting it to be as sexy as it was, but I got, you know, you get a little steamed up occasionally reading this book. Um, and Jules Moulin wrote for Party of Five and The West Wing. So she has this really excellent sense. Of pacing, uh, you can see that in the way that the chapters move and in the movement between the scenes and what happens. This this book just takes off and keeps going. Um, and sometimes you read, or at least it happens to me, I read books that feel like they were written with the goal of making them into a movie, and that doesn't work. This is a book that was intended to be a book, and it reads very well, but you can see it as a movie. Um, it's not forced at all. It's just really excellent. This was exactly what I wanted to read on one of the last weekends of summer. Um, and again, it's called Allie Hughes Has Sex Sometimes by Jules Mulan.
0: No offense to anyone who might be named this, but for some reason when you said Noah Bean, I had to mute my microphone because it makes me <laughs> giggle. I don't <laughs> I don't know why that name makes me laugh but I was like snort giggling so in the the book, in the world of the book
1: there's already a Jake Bean who has a SAG card and the Screen Actors Guild doesn't allow actors to register with names that have already been registered with so Noah is Jake's middle name but yeah, it's
0: (laughs) I don't know why it makes me giggle
1: we're not going to assess or analyze (laughs) that any further (laughs) because this is a family show
0: all right Moving on to something that didn't make me giggle, but is awesome. Um, this is my other pick for books that I read this summer that were backlist. Uh, my friend Megan recommended this book. I don't know how I hadn't heard of it, because apparently everyone has heard of it. Um, it's called Ghost Man by Roger Hobbs. I love a good heist novel, and this is a great heist novel. Sold. So, I am sold. Yeah. Love a great heist novel. It's like Elmer Leonard. I call it Elmer Leonard 2.0. Because it has all the double dealings and shady dealings and crime and justice that an Elmer Leonard novel has. But it also has the modern technology of today that Elmer Leonard didn't really get much of a chance to explore before he died. Um, it opens with a casino robbery in Atlantic City that gets all kinds of messed up. Uh, two guys steal money from an armored car. And then one of them is killed as well as some of the security guards. And now the other robber is missing along with all the money. Now enter Jack. That's really all you know about him. His name is Jack. Uh, he's an expert fixer. And he's on the hook for a job that went horribly wrong many years ago. So Jack is contacted by the guy who arranged this Atlantic City heist. A big scary guy in California. Who also happens to be the guy that Jack inadvertently screwed over years ago when that other job went south. Um, and this guy tells Jack that if he finds the money and brings it to him, he's off the hook. Because Jack's been in hiding, sort of. He's like, oh, I made a big mistake. And, you know, he's he's been off the map. Um so this sounds easy to Jack, except nothing is ever easy. Um there's another big scary guy, this one happens to run Atlantic City, and he doesn't appreciate that a big job has been pulled right under his nose, especially without at least being cut in or told about it. Um and on top of that, Jack isn't all that sure that he isn't a dead man as soon as he finds the missing robber and brings in the money. Cause the guy that he infernally screwed over is notoriously hard on people so he can't believe that he's just going to let him walk away once he comes out of hiding and brings him the money um this book is so action-packed and it's really interesting like how jack gets around you know being traced and being off the map all the things he's done to hide and how he adopts different identities and how he changes his appearance for different jobs it's just like super super great fun it's a really fun book there's a sequel that came out um i cannot think of the title of it right now vanishing game i think um and yeah and also i had a question if anyone has a great answer please tweet at me email us let me know great heist novels by women authors Ooh. i'm coming up short i i can't i can't think of any and i would love to read some
1: yeah that would be great
0: so recommendations send them my way
1: please let us know and
0: again that was ghost man by roger hobbs
1: So fun. Uh, So this summer, one of the unexpected reading highlights for me has been rereading a book that I loved a few years ago, but that has taken on new meaning. It's called uh, Alibis, right? Yes, Alibis. Essays on Elsewhere by Andre Achiman. Uh, It's a collection of essays about travel, but this isn't like when you go to Maui, these are the things that you see and these are the things that you eat and here's what it's like to go to Maui and watch a luau. It's what are we looking for when we leave home and go somewhere else? What does travel mean to us? What are the things we hope to get from leaving our homes, from displacing ourselves and seeing the world and hopefully embedding ourselves in new cultures and learning about all of the things that we don't see and experience in our daily lives? I really loved this collection when it came out a few years ago. But uh, in the intervening years, I have started to travel more and to think about the purpose of travel in my own life. Um, And I was emailed a friend about travel stuff and was like, hey, have you ever read alibis? And I went to take it off the shelf and find a specific quote to share with him. And it was one of those magical reading moments where you go looking for one quote, and then you sit and read for a couple of hours just by accident. So I've been rereading alibis and thinking about about travel, thinking about why I want to see the world, um, I, and just marveling at André Achiman's writing. It's so beautiful and insightful. He has these also as a bonus, excellent thoughts about books and reading built into his, these essays about travel. And he thinks about reading and writing as a form of travel and travel as a form of writing, which just blew my mind open in a very pleasant way. Um, I, I just love how you can I always find something new when I revisit fiction, but especially when I revisit essays and nonfiction years later and come back to who I am now against who I was the first time that I read the story. So it's been fun to do this on a couple of levels. but if you travel, uh, if you are you know one of those people who's thinking about wanting to travel more, if travel has meant something to you, I think that Alibis is a book that you should read and that not nearly as many people as I think should have read it have read it. So I would like to continue getting him some readers. It's Alibi's Essays on Elsewhere by Andre Achiman, which is A-C-I-M-A-N. And it's just really phenomenal.
0: Essays are hot right now.
1: They are. And these were hot a couple years ago. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's really great. I think it's the best travel writing that I've ever read. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I should have opened with that, right? I buried the lead a little bit there. <laughs> so oh, you and go? by the way. Yeah, yeah. By the way, this is one of the best books. Um, What are you going to go read now?
0: Okay. I'm so excited to say this, and you should all be 100% jealous. I don't usually feel that way, but whoa, I am reading Lafayette in the Somewhat United States by
1: Sarah Vowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She's so awesome. Do you know that I've never, I've only ever read her books, like, I've never heard her voice, which everyone talks about all the time. Or seen her? Um, I guess she was on the Daily Show. Is that right? Or she's yes, she's yeah. on, and she's on Tiny.
1: She's on NPR a lot. Yeah,
0: um, I, I've only ever read her books, and I already know that she rocks. Uh, this book comes out on October twentieth. Um, it's an unconventional account, of course it is, because Sarah Bowell wrote it about General Lafayette, who was George Washington's trusted officer and friend from France. There's lots of history. It's good for
1: you. What are you gonna read? I don't know. <laughs> I am flailing. I like had yeah. such a great couple of weeks traveling, and I got tons of reading time on flights. And then this week has just been bonkers. And I don't know. I have some plans about what I would like to read in time for next week's show, but I am I have not decided to commit to anything.
0: Read the Alexandra Kleeman.
1: <laughs> I might. Which I might.
0: So good. Also, after I finished reading it, I watched Welcome to Me that Kristen Wiig movie Mm -hmm. and that was like a really bizarre experience because she's on like this talk show and they're kind of making fun of these same things that she's discussing in the book and I was like this is so weird this is too much culture satire for my brain (laughs) so it was great
1: and with that we are finished for the week (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Thank you to Macmillan Audio for sponsoring this week. You can go to MacmillanAudio.com slash The Nature of the Beast for more about The Nature of the Beast by Louise Penny and the ongoing adventures of Inspector Gamache. Don't forget to go to BookRiotLive.com and register to come hang out with us on November 7th and 8th and party like a book nerd. And use the code More Cats M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, all one word, to save 20 bucks what else? You can drop us a line at books at bookriot.com. Hit us up on Twitter. I am Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute, you want to rate or review the show on iTunes to help other people who love books and uh, weird pop culture references and obviously banter about cats to find it, we would be most appreciative. And thanks, thanks, thanks. Thank you so much to all of you who have done that already.
0: Yes, thank you so much. And again, if you have a fabulous recommendation for a heist novel by a woman author, I would love to hear it. So please hit me up on Twitter and let me know. Uh, and as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we don't have the time, but you can read m- about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter that includes more new releases. And that's it for us. I think we're both headed for a nap.
1: Hopefully. Like, a nap. Drink. Anything I'm going I can fall. ever decide. I'm just going to melt into a puddle like the Wicked Witch of the West.
0: Yeah. Ooh, maybe me too. But now I'm at that dilemma again that I had last night. Tater tots and nap or nap and tater tots?
1: Tater tots nap, tater tots part two.
0: (sighs) Brilliant. All right. Happy (laughs) reading. Happy reading.